education programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King, joined by Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates. I was just about to send out search well, parties finally, for you. Finally, <laughs> Merle Kelch. <laughs> yes, indeed. He is here, though. We are live in the studio today, so we can take your phone calls. 715-845-2155. Uh, he wasn't here last week, so you've got a couple of uh, weeks of questions built up, I know. So give us a call here this morning. I'll start you out with one. Um, the market had been doing pretty well and then got hammered yesterday. I got my 401k statement in the mail, and uh, uh, my my portfolio was down 4% for the last quarter. Is that uh, right? Should it have been there, or do I not have my pie uh, split in the right places for that? Uh, well, most people are down 10, so I think your pie is probably just fine. Really? Yeah, yeah. So should people be who are close to retirement be worried about that at this point? No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Okay, tell us why. Well, that's all I got. I mean, the show's (laughs) done now. That's that's all I finished. I'm still working on trying to tell people why I was late yesterday because in 20-some years of us doing this show, I've never had to miss a show because my bed broke. That's right. That's what that there was. La- that yeah. was last week, folks. That's why. But I, right. well, I wasn't so. going to share that with everybody. But now that you have that, that... well, I'm kind of chubby, and yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, people say you in shape and round as a shape, and and in in the bed broke in the middle of the night, and so we were sleeping opposites. There was like no sleep at all, and so you know, going to another room means in the middle of the night you have to pick up your whole CPAP and this whole maneuver move to, and so you know, like three hours of sleep. I just wasn't. It just wasn't going to work. But there we go. So, anyway. The questions of the day is, should we be doing something different? Should you delay your retirement? The answer is no. No. Okay, so let's look at this. Tom, I'm going to use a million dollars. It's easy math, and it's pretty close to what you have in your 401k. I'm not yeah, really yeah, sure I'm if you sure. told your wife I'm, or not. Yeah, yet. I'm sure that's the correct. Okay, You, you haven't told your wife or not. But Folks, that isn't even close to being true, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, so if you take a million dollars, take 5% for income, that's $50,000. Okay, so I'm using this, for obviously, for simple math. So let's say your your million dollars goes to nine hundred thousand. We have a a ten percent loss, and so that means our our fifty thousand dollars a year goes down to forty five thousand dollars a year. I call it five hundred bucks a month or so. A little bit less than five hundred a month would go down. Um, would that stop you from being retired? For most people, the answer is no, because if you're too tight, that four or five hundred bucks a month is going to stop you from retiring probably didn't have quite enough to save uh, saved up to, for retirement to begin with. So for most people, the market isn't going to have much of an issue. No. But might it change how you do your investments going forward? It might be. You know, there, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good idea, of course, to have guarantees inside of our income. Um, I, I like doing that. So um, ideally, you know, Tom, or for everybody, let's see you need, uh, make it, again, number. We need $4,000 a month to stay alive on. And Social Security between husband and wife is 2500 Well, 1500 bucks then. If I can, I'm going to find a place for my clients to have that money guaranteed if we can, because that way we know 
regardless of what happens inside of the marketplace, food's coming in, dinner's coming in, we're going out for dinner and maybe having some vacations in there, depending on the budget there. And so you can get guarantees in a number of different places. You can get guarantees certainly in CDs, but you also get, you know, no return. But you get municipal bonds, which, by the way, folks, are starting to come back to where they're uh, lookable. Um, we haven't bought any yet, but my last couple of looks, I'm starting to see some you know, municipal bonds that I like that are out there. Municipal bonds, of course, you can buy some insurance that guarantees the principal and the interest. Does it always work? No, but really, really close all the time. You can also do it using some annuities. Now, I always caution people when I say annuities because there's so many annuities that are out there, folks. Talk to a financial professional. There are some that are really, really good, and there's a whole bunch that really, really stink, and it seems like the ones that really, really stink are getting to be more and more numbers than the ones that are really, really good. Um, but so I would not stop retirement because we see the market down at the moment. The trend is not going to be for it to be down um, all year. And all right, so if you're – portfolio or if your 401k is down 10 percent or in my case four percent for the for the quarter you should uh, be smiling and buying drinks at the bar yeah yeah saying. yeah i'm not but, but uh um should the if, if you're not going to delay retirement say say you're you're still not ready to retire should you re-examine your split of, in your 401k and move things around more into one than the other is there some is there some way of looking at that and making sense of what is going to be better in the next few quarters sure. than what's happening now? You know, my, my, my thing is, if you're, you're in a Monday morning, you find out that you're down 8 or 10%. Um, talk with your financial prof- professional or another, um, and, and make sure your balance is right, because balances do make all the difference. Um, we have a, a client that um, we had managed some of their money for years, and, and uh, now we're managing the rest of the money, and so we had to look at what the other prof- portfolio was doing. So the other portfolio, Tom, did not have bad investments in it, and I hope this makes sense. So I I try to make it a practice in what I do when I'm working with my clients. I don't like to get rid of stuff that's good. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to say, well, I'm going to sell XYZ large-cap growth investment. We're going to buy ABC large-cap growth investment. Well, they're both large-cap growth, so why would you get something that's good? So we pull the research, make sure it's good, it's comparable, it's what we would normally use, maybe a different brand or name we'd use. But I like to keep the stuff that's good quality. But in this instance... Um, their whole portfolio was almost all large cap. And then more particularly, it was all large cap with stuff that was cyclical. So things that uh, typically does well for a quarter, two quarters, and then then, then doesn't. And so it was uh, done by a company that did a lot of trading in and out. Not bad investments, just kind of bad for what the client wanted to do. So in this instance, we're making an adjustment now, today, because um, we're selling some of this large cap stuff off because what she's missing is some of the small cap and the mid caps and the internationals. And now you might be asking out there, folks, well, well, why do we want all the small and mid cap? That's the stuff that's down the most this year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because we know that the stock market's not going to stay as it is. And when the marketplace starts moving it back, way back up again, um, she's missing that inside of her balance. And she'll miss all those rates of returns when that part of the economy starts going back up again. So it's all part of that diversification we talk about, you know, uh, doing it. You know, Warren Buffett has said, and this is one of his longtime quotes, he says, you buy at the time of worst pessimism and you sell at the time of the most optimism. And so we take a look at some of the things that happened on Thursday and Friday. I mean, by the way, we were having a tremendous week. And then Thursday showed up and then Friday came over his best friend and they both went down. And so we're having a tremendous week this year going, hey, this is finally starting to look nice again. And all of a sudden the market fell off and it fell off because of Chairman Powell. Uh, Chairman Powell says, hey, we're going to increase interest rates. So 
So, so with that, and we knew interest rates are going up. We just didn't know how much. But so with that, we have to make sure our portfolio is 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 in balance all the time. And if your portfolio is down, you know, more than eight percent, eight or ten percent, I would predict and bet a can of soda. That's my standard bet, folks. Uh, that your portfolio is out of whack someplace. It's out of balance. Um, and so taking a look at then is the only way you're going to be able to have it protected um, um, for the hopefully the least amount of loss. Um, but also have it designed so that you have the the maximum amount of gain as the the marketplace and the economy. Well, the economy is fine. The marketplace. So, what would your going back up again? What would your splits be at this point when you're looking at large caps, small cap, mid cap uh, growth, uh, all of that? Now, what would your splits be going forward for the next say year? Well, those are trade secrets. Ah, uh, but we we have to have them, obviously, folks. Uh, the things that have the most risk are the small caps, and you have the smallest percentage in those. Uh, the things with the least amount of risk, and by risk I'm defining it as volatility up and down. A thing beta you'll find is the measure and the term that they'll actually use in the SP 500. So if you have a good split, if you have uh, diversity in your portfolio, why wouldn't it be good just to leave it that way all the time and just weather the ups and downs? Why would you need to rebalance it? How does it get out of whack if you do have a good? If you do, have you know, a good Tom, twenty years now we've been working together, and you finally got it. <laughs> Is that you know that's pretty much it. Um, the difference in here is you have think about it like this, and for everybody that's out there, you have one side of the spectrum. You have the stock market, of course, it bounces around and goes up and down. We have the other end of the uh, marketplace. We'd have say what they they call the fixed or the bond marketplace, and believe it or not, bounces around and moves all the, all the way down. And I think we can make a fairly good case that um, the stock market is just as risky as the bond in the fixed marketplace. Um, uh, and it's just as damaging the portfolios, uh, but for different reasons. Um, you know, we look at, for example, CDs, and somebody can say, is a CD bad? And I, I would say, yeah, the CD is bad. Well, how's it bad then if it's guaranteed and FDIC protected? Well, because you're not covering inflation. We can all see that now today. You know, inflation is 6 7%, depending upon the week. Um, and you're getting, you know, less than 1% on a CD. Well, that that's dangerous because you, you don't have any earning power. So so the whole thing is, is to have a blend that's in there. And so if you have, for example, in small cap aggressive stocks, you have 40% of your portfolio, you're going to end up having a heart attack and die. You won't need the money. <laughs> um, but if you got 5% in there, it's probably okay. But the big thing comes from, Tom, is if you have 100% money in the stock market or you have 100% money inside of the fix of the bond marketplace, they're equally dangerous in my opinion. But it's the blend along the way. And what tends to happen is as we get older, we move less from the equities. We move more to the fix in the bond marketplace. Again, I say that's how it, we tend to go. Um, we have some clients that are in their 80s and 90s that I want in any of the bond marketplace that never made me any money. But the beautiful thing about heading in that type of a direction is that, <clears throat> pardon me, when you have um, a, a tendency to lean to an inflationary and then a recessionary type of an event, um, bond marketplace becomes one of those places you can make some money. Not only do you make some interest rate along the way when the stock market is not doing anything, um, but you have the tendency also to make it when interest rates then go down and bond prices go up. So you make some capital appreciation along with some interest rates because of the change of interest rates in a macroeconomic environment. Did you hear all those big words that came mm. out of me right there? Um, so so bonds can actually be a really good place too. But it's that diversification. You have to have that mix. And so do you make some changes? Sure. You make some changes where maybe you move from that equity mix, which is what you just talked about, the small, medium, large, the international, that whole bit. Um, but maybe we trim some of those branches. We move a little bit more of them to the bonds and take advantage of the interest rates and that, um, and vice versa. But we don't make knee-jerk reactions. That's the things that will kill you. 
every single time are the knee-jerk reactions. You talked about municipal bonds. What about the other part of the bond market, whether it be companies or— Corporate bonds? Yeah, corporate bonds. Yeah, love corporate bonds, and corporate bonds actually um, are going to be pretty good because they usually pay a higher yield. It's just that in our conversation before, we were talking about things that had guarantees. No guarantees are corporate bonds. Corporate bonds, you're based upon the full faith and credit of that company's ability to repay you back again. Um, and certainly, you know, it, it, it works out good for most companies and most individuals. But there's always some in there that don't work out quite right. Um, and in that, um, you have to make sure you watch it. But corporate bonds are going to have a real nice yield compared to other things, especially as we see the interest rates go up maybe one, maybe two more times. That's just my guess, folks. That Then we'll start to find some bonds that are going to be, in my opinion, what's called in price, which means a good price for what we want to buy um, on the inside. And we haven't seen that in four or five years. There are... There are guys that have enough money and enough power in the market to move markets. You, you mentioned Warren Buffett a little bit ago. I think Elon Musk is another one of those guys. And there's been a lot of uh, activity going on, not only with uh, with um, Tesla, but also with uh, Musk's ability or attempt to buy Twitter. Mm-hmm. How is How are all of those machinations affecting the market, or are they affecting the market in a negative way that what we saw on Thursday and Friday? Any of that being played into it? I see now that Musk... Uh, says he confronted Bill Gates about shorting Tesla. So when Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and all these all these heavy hitters start throwing billions around, that can move markets, can it? Um, it can, but typically only temporarily. Um, you know, we talked about the knee-jerk reactions and that's some of the stuff that happens when these guys start playing back and forth. Kind of reminds you back of the days of the Carnegie's and the Rockefellers, doesn't it? Um, I wasn't know, so, around then, but uh, thanks. What's you know, that? I wasn't around then, but thanks. You know, <laughs> well, I'm a history buff, so you know I got this. Uh, but, you know, those are knee-jerk reactions. It all comes comes down to the bottom line of a company's ability to um, make a profit. Um, and Tesla just built a lot of cars and actually came up with some nice profit here recently. Um, we see, on the other hand, what's happening with uh, Netflix. Um, you know, Netflix saying we're losing subscribers or profits aren't hitting quite what they expected. Um, Netflix and Facebook uh, yeah, giving up Facebook's most of their last few uh, years' gains, according to yeah, yeah. Uh, and but Netflix is also going to start putting the hammer down on people who will share passwords. I think that, that's a lot of the, the conversation they've been having with losing subscribers coming up in the next quarters because of exactly that. They're probably going to go through some sort of a, a double authentication, maybe even a triple that you have to log into the TV that you're actually using. Who knows how they're going to do that? I'll but, tell you what, I'm one of those people that left Netflix, and it wasn't for those reasons. It was for the fact that there are so many options now. Uh, there are just too many, too many television options, too many entertainment options, and uh, not enough time to uh, to use them all. So it was a yeah. question of of pruning the tree, as you said, and getting rid of some of that. Sure. And Netflix was the one that uh, I decided to let go. I use Netflix because I have an old smart TV up north, and it's the only one that I can have. <laughs> so, so we still have Netflix all right. uh, because of that. All right, seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call here. We're going to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. You're listening to Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on WSAU. When I was in Iraq, our convoy was hit. It was bad. After I came home, I could still hear booms and see tracer fire. Makes it hard to be a good mom. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Naomi Mathis, Air Force veteran. With the right support. Gets injured, and parents may now be eligible for Medicaid, too, even if they've applied in the past. Enrollment is always open. Visit insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only 
and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. A couple of weeks ago, we had a caller who asked a question about investing in carbon credit uh, exchange companies or companies that were dealing in carbon credits. And we talked about looking some information up on that. Were you able to find anything? Yeah, yeah we, we bought some information up, and he was actually talking about um, uh, craneshares.com. And folks, we're not recommending. We're not saying there's anything bad about it. I'm just popping up what popped in here because it's something I hadn't heard about before. And so uh, largely craneshares is a Chinese um, a company um, that is apparently um, – now, Tom, I'm having a hard time digging deeply into this because – um, on their website, every time I try to dig a little bit deeper, they want me to sign in. Ah, and uh, and obviously I'm not going to do that. But um, largely, they're investing inside of companies that have low carbon footprint, um, such as, of course, uh, you know, windmills and solar and this kind of stuff, um, on a global basis. Um, on and obviously investing inside of these companies um, uh, that are China uh, uh, orientation is that the word? Um, origination is probably the better word. Um, so I don't know much more about that, but it's not as I think we were originally talking when uh, the gentleman was talking to us a few weeks ago, where they're actually exchanging the carbon credit from one firm to another. Um, they're talking about the uh, uh, more carbon emissions. When you talk about China, I mean, obviously one of the heaviest polluting countries in the world, but they're, oh, they're, yeah. they also are spending a lot of money on uh, green stuff, whether it be windmills or solar or whatever, to try to get rid of uh, some of that pollution that, that they've been creating. creating. Um as far as Chinese companies, as a, as, a, as a matter of course, I mean, do you even bother? Look, I mean, we, we talk about international stocks all the time and, and international funds and world funds, global funds. Mm-hmm. And, but should you make China even a part of your portfolio, Chinese companies, at this point in time with there, the, with the political difficulty. situation the way yeah, it is? Yeah, I mean, 20 years ago, I, I was asked this question. I said, we have to look at China because China is such a population that's trying to grow. Um, and uh, they need the goods and services and the things that, uh, you know, we sell. That they need that. Sadly, and this is from conversations from friends of mine that do business directly inside of China. They said you start doing business with China, they steal your technology, and then pretty soon they kick you out and they have your technology and continue to run. And this has been a complaint I've heard for 20 years. Um, and so now today I say to myself, you know, I, I don't want to do business with China. And, and the reason I say that today is because so many times you see what happens is that um, people forget that they're a communist country, um, and they're not continuing to move to you know, generally accepted accounting principles. They're, you know, they'll take state money and bolster up their stock market to make it look better than it really is, and they'll do these sort of things. You can't do that if you're going to have some sort of a free trade, and free trade doesn't seem to be synonymous with communist country. So I try to stay away from. Them are there are, are there mutual funds in this country that maybe mutual funds that are owned by lots of people in their portfolios that are invested in China? You know, I, I think the general consensus is is you still invest in China, but only select country or companies. Um, uh, in but Alibaba, if, something like that, for instance. You know, that might be one of them. Um, uh, but but uh, I think that the general is to be pulling away from uh, China at this point in time because we can't predict how they're doing their accounting, what's going on, and what's going to happen in the future, um, much like Russia would be over the course of the last couple of months. 
All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, Tom, you're talking to Gianni down in Montella, and I have a question about um, interest rates and um, uh, this looming recession that people, some economists say is coming. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, my, my question concerns, we've heard uh, increased chatter about a recession coming in, in the next uh, year, um, and yet we, we, we're, we're, we're told that it, the Fed is going to raise rates. Wouldn't the Fed um, look at that uh, future scenario and say maybe we shouldn't raise as aggressively um, going forward and perhaps prevent a recession, but we, we don't seem to hear much about that. Well, the answer is actually relatively easy. The answer is yes, no. How's that? Yeah, great. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're you're the economist. I I need some expansion on that. Oh, geez. I I don't know that I'm necessarily an economist. I just play one when I eat breakfast cereal. That's about it. You know, we go through this macroeconomic environment that we go through a growth economy, which always leads to a recessionary period, um, and then it goes to a recessionary type of an economy or period. Then we go back to a growth period. We always go around that circle. It takes, takes 79 years typically for us to go around that full cycle. And so will there be a recession coming up? Yes. When? Who knows? Uh, will it be this year? Probably not. I mean, there's too much stuff going on as far as growth, profitability inside of the marketplace that would lend itself. We're probably not going to have a recession this year. Uh, the unfortunate part is that doesn't sell ad space to do that. You have to have something to sensationalize. You know, my best guess and guess of economists that I like to uh, watch that, by the way, you don't usually see on TV, um, um, probably next year we'll see one happening because we still have to have time for the um, uh, tightening of interest rates and the monetary policy um, to actually take hold. That stuff is usually a a year drag before that stuff happens. So so you ask then, so why would we not do that and stop a recession because of inflation? So inflation has gotten so far out of whack right now that they almost it have has. to do, they have to increase interest rates to slow the inflation down. Then they can lower interest rates to spark the economy is it, again. Isn't the whole trick for the Fed to do, to raise the interest rates just it, enough to make it what they call it, what they call a soft landing? Um, yeah. The, 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 no matter what, uh, uh, for both of you guys, Jeremy and, and Tom, the Fed always tries to do a soft landing and it doesn't. It's soft, soft, soft. It falls off the end of the earth. We start again. Um, so in here, the interest rates are the, the fastest part. Uh, the biggest part of what's going on is the amount of bond purchases that the Fed has been doing. And when it stops doing that or selling the bonds out of the marketplace, that's going to have a bigger effect. Um, and so, so the Fed is trying to control inflation and keep us at full employment. That's their, their doctrine of what they want to do. So they got to stop inflation because we can't continue to have inflation continue to keep running up. The unfortunate part, I feel, and this is my personal opinion, is that we can increase interest rates, but that's only going to be a patch on the problem. Uh, the problem is, is the underlying things there. I think we have to do things such as uh, getting food prices down. I think we have to get our supply chain ba- chain back in the U.S. We can control the price. I think those two things are going to be the major solve of inflation versus just the interest rates. I think the interest rates just slow it down. Just my thought, my opinion. All right, thanks I, for the call. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, I hung up on him. But yeah. uh, if he wants to call back, call back, all right? Yeah, so – so in here, a recession's not going to be bad in here. We just don't want a bad recession. If we have a slowdown, that's okay. Um, you know, recession is marked by two quarters of negative GDP. So if we have two set, two quarters of a GDP and we have a little bit of a slowdown, that's okay as long as we're not having a 2008, 2009. Um, that's okay. Inflations are all right. We can not only still make money, but we can still survive and eat and all that kind of stuff during that period of time. 
but we have a slowdown in inflation. We then have more employees that are out there, so that stops a, a wage gain. Um, we tend to, tend to uh, slow down inflation. We have some expansion in the economy that we can do. So if we have a little recession, it's okay. It's probably not going to happen this year. Um, if it does, I'll be really surprised. Um, but probably next year, if I had to guess, um, uh, would be my thought, just because, again, the things that the Federal Reserve is doing today, folks, we're not necessarily going to see for a year, year and a half down the road because it has that much of a leg to it. But you think it is going to be a hard landing at some point. Is that going to be a hard landing for an extended period of time or just a short amount of time? Probably not. There's too many people working right now. Um, uh, you know, there's too many people working. I think the Federal Reserve continues to increase interest rates and we start things see things slow up, such as probably the housing market will slow up for a little bit. Uh, we'll certainly have some layoffs, that type of thing. Uh, we see inflation numbers come back. We might even see the Federal Reserve in the course of the next 24 months reduce interest rates again. Uh, you think we're going to see layoffs guess. with all these companies that are that are begging for help? Housing market would be my guess. Oh, okay. Uh, just because the interest rates go up, we're going to slow down the, uh, the uh, mortgage rates. So that may trickle into other things. We don't know. Um, um, but that would be my guess. We'll start to see a slowdown there. All right, you had another article uh, that you wanted to talk about before our break. Did you remember sure, what that you was? say that now that I don't have it in here. You get me all excited with questions. And, uh-huh. uh, all right, so let me turn here. I actually have it saved in my womp doodler. Uh, that was an old uh, term. So there was an article that was out here, folks, um, that was prepared for last week's show. And so it's from April 14th, but I just want to show you how fast the tides turn here as far as the whipsaws. So corporate profits, this is an article by Jeremy Owens and Teresa Paletti. So in here, it is corporate profits are at a level well beyond what we have ever seen, and it's expected to keep growing is the article. So now we pair that with the stock market drops nearly 1,000 points yesterday yeah. and 500 the day before. So uh-huh. what's the real reason? So, so there's really no reason in here, but the, the numbers show us that corporate profits are phenomenal. In fact, um, i got to get to my number now. Again, folks, Tom just threw this on me. Um, so on average, the S&P 500 will produce about a 13% profit margin. In, I'm sorry, will produce about a 13% profit margin in 2022. Um, and essentially, folks, uh, that's going to continue on the projections between 23 and 24. And essentially, we've never seen it before. We've never seen this amount of profit margin inside of corporate America. Now, again, we shut off an economy for the pandemic. We're turning it back on. And so are these profit margins as a result of turning the, We've, getting the economy back on again? Um, or is it going to be long-term? And we don't know the answer to this at this point in time. We've talked about this in the past and how annoying this is for people that corporate profits are at a level never seen before. And yet companies are trying to convince us that they need to raise prices to cover the inflation costs. Uh, instead of, you know, eating those costs as the cost of doing business, they're just going to keep raking in record profits and yet soaking us for products and services. Yeah, we, I can certainly see that, you know, the, the normal thing is, though, they're making money. Why shouldn't they give some back? <clears throat> Pardon me, folks. Um, but at the same time, um, part of that is just because the business ran up so fast and they, have, they collected so much profit because of so many goods and services. And I think a lot of that is because we were at home doing a lot of ordering because a lot of the companies – we're seeing these profits or a lot of people that were ordering stuff at home, et cetera, et cetera. And that stuff is going to come back at some point in time. So the question becomes is, do we see it come back over the course of a year, a couple of years? Um, do we need more competition for goods and services? All those sort of questions come in. I look at it and say, how are we going to have a recession in the next couple of weeks when corporate profits are here? You know, why are we seeing the volatility inside of the stock market when the stock market, the indexes that we see, 
are a reflection of a company's ability to produce profit and then reflects to their stock price. And we're seeing record profits and the stock price are volatility jumping up and down. So that's the thing that makes you go, huh, what do you think this might be? And I think the reason we're having a problem finding price right now is Ukraine inflation interest rates. We had to get some of these things to solve themselves out. And then we'll see the stock market go, I'm sorry, the, the marketplace go forward, stock market, if you will, um, based upon the profits that we're seeing inside of the individual companies. And I think we end up with a profit by the end of the year inside of the stock markets. We're positive. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, uh, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Now, this day, here's Chris Connolly. Baseball became the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I kind of have what I call the Hannity Lectures. Before Tony Robbins. Money equals freedom. Before Gary V. You've got to push yourself. Inspiration. Develop the maximum amount of skills. Was already here. So that when all hell breaks loose. The Sean Hannity Show. You have the ability and the skill set to navigate through those turbulent times and troubled waters. Today at 2 on WSAU and WSAU.com. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch. Let's go back to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Jim. Jim, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Jim. Merle, good morning. I uh, read recently that uh, I-bonds, I think they're called inflation bonds, are paying close to 5%. How do they work? Do they maintain the same rate, or, or how is the, how, how is they structured, please? Um. <clears throat> I-bonds are one of these anomalies that are out there because for the longest time with I-bonds, you actually had to pay to own one. And now that inflation is actually going up. They're doing really well. Um, but the I-bonds are issued to the government. And you have to hold them for a long time. So many people think I can just go in and buy a bond and or buy an I-bond and uh, um, I hold it for six months or a year. But I think it's a seven-year hold that's on them. Um, I don't have all the perfect particulars sitting in front of me. So, so in here, there, of course, is a basic interest rate component. Then there's a component that goes with inflation. Since inflation is so high, that works out well. Now, there are a number of um, funds and indexes 
I'm sorry, ETFs that are now starting to pop up that you can buy in and out from an I-bond, but you're not going to get that same interest rate. Because let's say, for example, if the I-bonds are paying five, uh, this fund or company is going to take a few points away so that you get uh, what's left over so they can afford to run the business. Make sense? So yeah. if I were going to buy an I-bond, um, I would probably look at it buying it through something that's going to be tradable uh, through a fund or an ETF or something of that nature. So that's what I would look for. Um, but the I-bonds right now are doing what they're supposed to be for. Remember, these things were uh, back in the, uh, oh, geez, 90s, I think is when they came out with, if I remember right, Tom. Um, uh, and it, there became points in time where inflation was so low, you actually had to pay money to own these. So good why, stuff. Why would out. anybody do that? Well, that was just the nature of the component because the interest rate was essentially nothing. There was no inflation. So you had to lose money to actually own What's one. What's the difference between an I-bond and a regular savings bond? Regular savings bond, you're getting whatever the market rates are. So uh, the I-bond, of course, says, well, we're going to have the, the normal savings rate, which I believe is a little bit less than that if we had like a double year or something like that. Um, but you have that inflation component to it with an interest rates. I'm sorry, with inflation being so high right now, that inflation component is jumping up dramatically. Um, but I don't, think it's, I don't think they're long-lived. So, um, And they're also not guaranteed. So if you buy one today, it doesn't mean you're going to get that 5% for the seven years of the life of the bond. You're going to get it whatever the inflation adjustment is. So if inflation comes down, eh. it's almost like you're you're betting against the, the economy doing well. You're betting for inflation, and it's almost like betting the no pass line at craps. Nobody at the table is going to like you for doing this. They, they were originally designed um, because inflation was hard to be under control, and it's for people who wanted a riskless investment that was inflation protected. But um, if inflation yeah. goes down, then you're not making as much. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been better served. And, and again, Jim, I hope that helps with your, your question. Thanks for the call. Answer. Appreciate it. Um, um, but I think it would have been better served if the U.S. government said, okay, we're going to have I-bonds and they're going to have a two-year window. And so in that two-year window, um, you're going to get this interest rate and you're going to get this inflation. Um, and they lock that inflation up for one or two years. So you're going to get the interest rate. And if the inflation today is 5%, using just a number. Um, you get the, the base rate, which may be 0.2 or 0.3, um, plus the inflation of the 5%, and that's what you're going to get for two years, and that's it. So it becomes almost like a, a guaranteed interest contract for a two-year period of time versus a seven-year in the adjustment of inflation. Because you might start out today and say, I love this I-bond. I'm getting paid 5%. Um, uh, but by the time you get done, you might be getting you know uh, minus 1 um, or, or yeah. plus 2 because the inflation went down. So um, I... I, I We've cool been hearing we've been hearing right. we've been hearing a lot of national advertising on this radio station, other radio stations, television stations on uh, hedges against inflation. Now with the inflation rates the way they are, a lot of gold ETFs. I've been hearing uh, commercials for. Um, are those a good thing, or what? Are, what are some other inflation hedges that people use in order in, in, in a marketplace like this? And this is really really easy. Folks, the only thing that has ever consistently beat inflation is ownership. That would be buying stock in a company. Real estate, companies, um, you know, starting a company. Tom, buying that 62 Corvette you've always wanted. You know, um, But it's been ownership because the only thing that's ever kept pace of inflation has been ownership, owning something, a Own hard asset. Gold? Gold. Exactly. So now you're seeing it. Okay. Crypto cryptocurrency? That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just to throw that in there just to annoy you. At Thanks, least. buddy. I have, I to, appreciate I have that. to mention Bitcoin at least once every show just to annoy you. <laughs> oh, you know, sometimes it works. You know? 
Um, but but the thing is the ownership. And so we, we have to look at it. Um, and I had this conversation with a client literally just this past week. He had an enormous amount of money sitting inside of CDs. And I said, how much are you earning on a CD? She goes, well, you know, like, you know, 1.1. I said, how much is inflation? And the, and, and the, the light bulb went on and the white went over her face. She goes, I'm losing money. I said, and you're paying taxes. She's like, why am I doing this? Aha. And then all of a sudden, the, oh, you know, the clouds <laughs> opened up. And so we have to watch out for inflation because it's a much of a problem as anything else is. All right. Well, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Folks, you can stop in 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. We're working on new coffee makers, by the way, Tom. So uh, make it even coffee better. Coffee will even coffee stronger. Experience. Oh, yeah. Anyway, stop and visit us, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop in and kick the tires, say hello and hi. Um, you can find us, of course, uh, locally. Uh, give us a call, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelsonassociates.com. Now, I think next week is, is it next week or the week after that's the opening of fishing season that you'll probably uh, be disappearing on us? Well, I will. Uh, uh, we have to talk about that because I won't be fishing that weekend, but we'll be out at Old Plain, and I never remember if we can get the radio show All right. at Old Plain. We'll, so we'll talk, talk about that, but otherwise we'll talk right, to you next week. That's uh, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. We're going to uh, head to the news here shortly. The Polka Shows are on the way. Brewer Baseball this afternoon. The Brewers and the Phillies from Philadelphia pregame show at 2.30 on WSAU. Every-